Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. And I finally have roped Kiros in with a uh, minor amount of Jewish mother guilt. And <laughs> Which slight, is appropriate. Yes, yes, it's totally appropriate for what we're going to talk about today. Um, we've both had like some huge changes in our lives lately, and we really wanted to explore the idea of guilt and chronic illness and asking for help and when you know it's time for help and that could be from like asking the state for disability that can be deciding um the big decision for my house was moving from the wheelchair that we'd spent a lot of money on to a power wheelchair which cost a lot of money as well so thinking about like when you need help for mobility aids when you might need someone to come in and actually help you with the physical aspect of keeping house um mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking a lot about guilt and when and how to ask for help. And and, um, and you can tell about how um, disorganized I am and how out of it I am. <laughs> because normally, you know, I have my, my meticulous notes that I, I have a hard time keeping her on. I have yeah, very little notes yeah. this time because I've been out of it. <laughs> so we're, we're both heavily medicated today. So yes. we're going to be having... A very entertaining episode, um, <laughs> but I'm really happy to get Kiros back because I've missed him and it's nice to... Yes, I've been... To, to Briefly, I moved my son uh, in with me and I've been getting him all set up and uh, taken care of and so I've been kind of uh, busy with that. Yeah, just and, a little, like all yeah, of your time. All of my free the time. The amazing kid, he is wonderful. And... But it's been great for me because it, I needed... I needed extra help, and so it's this whole needing extra help has really been on my mind because it's been great to have someone else to help cook the meals, help get the the groceries bought, to run errands and stuff like this. It's it's been nice to have an extra set of hands to help me. So let's start there because that goes really smoothly in. Because yes, I remember. That's why I brought it up. Yes, and you are so good at the transitions. You need to be nicer to me today. You've been, like, taking some major swipes at me since you walked through my door. And I love the brother-sister thing we've got going here, but be nicer to me today. I am fragile today. Um, you had been, like, I remember seeing you with, like, just so much pain with just walking and standing, and you had left your job your husbands had been very supportive mm-hmm. of that and you were writing a, a really great novel you're starting your next novel mm-hmm. but you're also like okay well I'm home I'll be able to take care of the house and that's a huge huge undertaking especially for you with the lovely amount of um stairs yeah. that are in yeah. your house yeah so I have foot and knee problems it was just one knee now the other knee has started to uh, give out on me as well and I'm my doctor tells me that you know I need a knee replacement on my left knee but I have to I had to lose 55 pounds before he would do it I've lost uh 25 of it over the holidays no less which yeah, was a, a neat trick good job I mean I I was looking at the picture of you up on your your um, living room and mm-hmm. I hadn't quite realized just how much weight you'd lost but I mean you've done an amazing amount of undertake work for that that was a lot of effort for you, especially during holidays. Especially during holidays, I still have another, Clean. still have another what thirty five to go. But you know, but you're doing getting there. And one of the big issues for you is also that with a knee and foot problems, it's your hard to be exercise active. is now limited to arms, and it's not easy to just go for an evening walk. And it's been mostly done through diet and bias control. Yeah, you're. Uh... <laughs> You're good about that. I'm not as good. I, I tend to rely on the the spinning until today when my 
Tippy has decided no more spinning. But you made this huge life change, yeah. and you're like, okay, but I'll undertake all these things. And I and I house. took and the, and the thing is, is that I took on more and more over time. So it was not just that you know, oh, suddenly I'm home, so I'll I'll do the laundry, I'll do this, I'll do that, and it just it kind of crept up on me that you know I started off doing a few things, and then it's like. Oh, I'll take a cooking class and I'll start making dinner every night. And which, by the way, is a great cook. <laughs> so it just it it snowballed where I. And since our topic for this, if you haven't figured out, is guilt, <laughs> I felt like I should because I was home and I wasn't working. I felt like this guilt of I should be doing more. I should be doing this, and it was all internal. There was nothing from my husband's. That was, you know, you know, telling me I should. They were telling me, you know, I was doing plenty. But I felt like, you know, I should be doing all of these things. I should be, I'm home. I should be doing these things. So I took on more and more and more. But what ended up happening was I was stretching myself thinner and thinner and thinner to the point where I was hurting myself more, honestly. And then I moved my kid in with me and started doing even more stuff. And I kind of really overdid it. Um, I described it as trying to hold, hold up spinning plates and it was like keep this moving and that moving and that one over there moving and that one over there moving and I was running back and forth between all of them and I finally I went to get my passport renewed last Friday and I know I'm kind of drifting off subject a bit I'm so excited it's not me this time yes. I went to go get my passport <laughs> renewed and I got to the passport office and realized that I had forgotten my old passport I walked up to the window and I told her I'd forgot my old passport and literally broke down bawling because it was, I had dropped a plate. You know, and I, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I feel like when I've dropped a plate, the rest of them can't be far behind. Exactly. And that's like where my like super levels of emotion get to this insane level. It's like, it might be the littlest thing in the world, but everything else can't be far from crashing behind that little thing. Well, and it meant that I had to go back, which meant... Another huh. trip into the city, yeah, which meant more wasted time, which meant, you know, and more pain. I mean, yeah, because it's not an insignificant amount of pain for you to stand for any amount of time or walk just a little bit. Get to Bart, Bart into the yeah. city, walk the four blocks there, walk, you know, stand in lines, and yeah, it was. It's not an insignificant amount of pain to do that. So yeah, yes, and I feel like the physicality of you is also so against you because, like, anyone who looks at you. It's like, hey, you're my guy to help me move the furniture. Like, yeah. no one looks at you and is not like, okay, he's like super, like, he's the big guy who can help out with everything. And I feel like that's so much worse for you because for like me, I don't necessarily look as healthy as I used to anyway, but I, I, I fall, I'm tiny, I'm short. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy for people to start like going, oh, Bambi eyes, <laughs> sit, please sit. You're going to fall. I turn gray really easily. It's. I feel like it's easier for me to, like, get that across to people that I need help than, you know, the big, strong guy who yeah. actually really cannot stand on those poor paws. Yeah. Um, and in doing the research for this, one of the quotes that I kind of ran across that really stuck out at me was um, feeling like you're not sick enough to need help. Wow. Um, because you'll have a good day and you can do things on those good days, so... You feel like, you know, oh, well, I should do everything on that good day. But then you're completely flattened for like four days afterwards. And, you know. I mean, gosh, like we're both in such an incredible position of our partners 
in life are like these amazing guys yeah. who are so supportive of us and who don't put shame and guilt on us for what we can Thankfully. do. I mean, we're, we're pretty good here. But um, I, I remember when I was going to my physical therapist who was like the only Eller Stanlos physical therapist over when I was on the other side of the bay. And she would tell me these stories. She'd be like, we need to bring your husband in so we can understand what you're going through. And I'm like, no, no, he's good. He's, he, he's good. And she's like, no, I have to explain things to husbands and wives who, um, or partners who uh, don't understand that because this isn't super visible and because when people dislocate, you expect the screaming and the, you know, like, yeah. you know, the usual football reaction where a bunch of people rush out and then yeah. the person is now in the hospital and then they're getting surgery and then they're, you know, getting recovery for weeks and weeks. Our dislocations tend to be a lot quieter um, because we're used to them. And so she was telling me how she'd have to explain to spouses and partners, just like this person is not kidding. Like this is the actual physicality. So you know, at least for like me, I can't speak for you, but the guilt level feels almost ratcheted up for me because like my husband is so understanding and my kids have been so understanding and super wanting to help. And it's, it's weird to like, uh, reconcile the idea of the wife, the friend, the daughter, the mother that I expected to be, that I want to be mm. <laughs> and what the actual reality is. So when there's like a little, window opening opportunity where my body might be able to do something it's like i feel like i have to rush in and become that person that i have as this ideal of what that person does gets done finishes what it's all like and um i will say that my optimism might actually qualify as a mental disorder at this point because (laughs) like i get really weird at what i think is possible in the amount of times i think it's possible when i'm on an upswing (laughs) like of course I can do this for you and everything. And I'm always the first person to jump in and go, yes, right now. Absolutely. I will. I could start a business from bed. I could start a podcast from bed. Absolutely. What's wrong with that? I'll start another podcast from bed while I'm writing a novel and um, homeschool my daughter at the same. This is and, all and, possible. And you want to start a, a, a video thing too? Remember? Well, no, it's, I, I mean, it's not really Hello. Different. <laughs> Did you not just pitch a video idea to me when I got here? Hello. I waited till you sat down. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you're talking about all this. And you're like, Did you not just pitch a video idea, a video oh, YouTube okay. idea? <laughs> but to be fair, but. it's something I have to do anyway. <laughs> I physically have to go and test drive these cars anyway. I have to see if the wheelchair fits in any of these cars anyway. So we might as well take video of it to help other people uh-huh. who are in. Uh-huh. Um, you're, uh-huh. You know, I'm I, just saying. I love that I am an only child and I get a big brother now. This is this is lovely. <laughs> so much fun. Um, and, and something else re- regarding the guilt that I ran across when I was doing the research for this the, this discussion was people with the invisible disabilities like this. Um, I, I ran across like five or six different conversations on Reddit. Where people were saying that they kind of wish they would get in a car accident or something like this, so that it was something that was visible to the people around them, so that it was something that was quote unquote real, because they were either undiagnosed uh, with their chronic illness, or it was something that was like one guy said that his dad refused to believe that he it, it was a real thing. His sister believed it and would help him, but he lived at home with his dad, and his dad absolutely positively refused to believe that he had a chronic illness, that it was all in his head, that he just needed to buck up and, you know, try harder and it would just go away. 
And be, be positive. It was be positive. It would just go away. And so he kept people like that kept saying they wish they would get in a car accident so that people would believe them that they really were hurting. And the 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 mentality of I wish I was in a car accident so people would believe that I'm really hurting. The mentality that it takes to get to that and the level of guilt and shame. Because that was the thing I kept coming across in this is that there's this intertwining of both guilt and shame that goes on in this. Because in our culture, you know, if you're not a able-bodied person, there's all this level of shame that goes into it as well. I mean, I call it singing for my supper because, like, I was... I'm one of these psychotic overachievers on everything. <gasps> I know, shocking. Like, if I'm going to do it, I will go to the wall. Like, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I get pit-bully about, about things, but I also... I hadn't noticed. Oh, yeah. Shocking, I know. Um, but I call it singing for my supper because I feel like I owe entertainment to those around me, that I owe so much to the world for taking up this space and the resources and, and my family. And please remind me, we're going to circle back to the wheelchair because I know that comes in and I don't want to go off track here <laughs> before I get kicked. Um, I don't have enough of a track for you to be. Oh, oh good. I'm so glad. <laughs> I, I had too much brain fog. I didn't get a good enough outline, so I'm not going to get on your case about being off track. Seriously, neither we neither one of us had any sleep last night. No. I, I had, like, night terrors where I was just waking up, like, every few minutes. It was awful, but we are going to push through this just to prove that guilt and shame is alive, and we will, we will absolutely get through this. And episode. I'm on a new med that, that made me feel like I was being just all over ache all night, so I kept waking up in pain, so I, I didn't get a whole sleep either. And I had to prove to my pharmacy yet again that they are not my doctors and I need my medication so we can we can go to guilt and shame about trying to convince <laughs> trying to convince pharmacies that you need your meds. Um, but what you're saying about like it being invisible and like I want this one reason to have something that other people understand mm-hmm. because it's a weird thing. It's like for a lot of us, um, it's being healthy and then suddenly being just cut down, or at least being able to fake being healthy enough that when it gets to a flare that you're no longer capable of, of pushing through it. All of a sudden, you're shocking everyone around yes. you. And it's nothing that you can go, look, I had a car accident on this date. I fell off a ladder on this date where people go, oh, oh, well, of course. Absolutely. I, I've got it. You're going through your recovery state. Your your doctor knows best about your recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it's something that is so amalgamous and strange, it's um, there's not a definite. And there's not even a definite for, like, this is when I need my wheelchair. This is when I will need to move to a wheelchair. This is when I will need to move to a cane. This is when I will need to stop working. This is mm-hmm. when I will need to file for disability. This is when I will need to get someone to to work in the home to help me get chores done. This is because uh, our big thing was I spent about $12,000 for my last wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And we figured, oh, okay, well, we're going to put that $6,000 motor on the back of it. So we'll never have to get another wheelchair again. But we totally misunderstood where my joints would be in my mm-hmm. upper body. And that's where I get jealous of car, car accidents, too. I mean, this is, like, super, like, underbelly pink, underbelly shivering. Like, I am sure people will, will write all sorts of hate mail about this one. But my big thing is I want to be excellent at everything, including wheelchairs. I want to be the best at wheelchairs. And you see all those cool people who are out there dancing in their wheelchair or, you know, at the skate parks with their wheelchair. I want to be one of those people. Or at the gym with their wheelchair. You know, like those mm-hmm. super inspiring posts of people doing their, like, chin-ups from their wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... I want to do that, but 
it's my entire body that does not. Yeah, I'm going to say it wouldn't help, help with you because you, you'd go to chin up and you'd dislocate your wrists or your uh, shoulders. And I will neither confirm nor deny that I've actually done that at the gym and <laughs> to get someone to pick me up because I didn't drive home. That absolutely did not happen. <laughs> so it's um, you can't see it but I'm sitting here shaking my head he is he's shaking his head he somehow thinks that this will actually translate this look of pure disgust over to this no thing. it's not disgust it's it's this of course you did <laughs> it, it, it's I, I should have known when I said that that of course you had already done that uh, yeah so I mean like the thing is is like well I'm now taking income away from my family because I had to make a snap decision that I was going to leave my business. And there was no doctor that wrote that note that said, you are now too sick to work. The doctors have been saying that for a very long time and I had been ignoring them, but I'm the one who made that final call. And that was really hard to make that decision. And to make the decision to use a cane publicly was one of the most terrifying things ever. Like I am now going to make myself super vulnerable because we were just talking earlier about like with people with, their cell phone cameras. Yes. And I, maybe I'm paranoid, but it's really easy to become a meme of like, you know, where someone person, takes... Yeah, go ahead. The, 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 the classic one of the person in the wheelchair that's standing up to grab a bottle of liquor and I go, oh, look, you know, there's a miracle on aisle four or something, you know. So like all of a sudden, like it's like almost like for me personally, um, the experience of being pregnant was not that different where all of a sudden everyone had judgment of what you're eating, what you're doing, how you're moving, what you're wearing whether you should sit, stand, walk. It was like all of a sudden my body and my condition became public opinion. Yes. And I wasn't even sure what my opinion was. <laughs> like that was that was probably one of the most difficult things. And trying to create your own idea of what you can and can't do when everyone else is weighing in on it. Yeah. That gets really and that was one of my mom and my biggest arguments because she's become like pretty much my caregiver during the the days was like where I'd want to go try something and see if I could do it, <laughs> which mm-hmm. um, Kiris can tell you it's uh, again, optimism as a mental health issue. I, uh, I get injured often when I get optimistic and she does. Yes. Yes. Um, I've been talked out of horseback riding and oh, good God. bicycle <laughs> in the last two weeks. So <laughs> I am listening to reason right now. <laughs> Right now. Right now. For the moment. So it's it's hard to like decide when you're going to take up like the amount of well, especially like one of my biggest guilt things was going on disability. Yeah. And I I've I've waffled back and forth on that. I've thought about doing it. Um, because I know that right now there's no way I could go back to a normal office job, not with you know even now, I've, I've managed to get my diet down to where I don't have that many flares and don't have days where, don't have as many days where I'm spending the entire day in the bathroom. But they still happen often enough that it would totally screw up any kind of office job. And the getting to and from the office job would be the bigger issue these days of trying to find, you know, something. I did have to find something I could work from home so that I could, you know. May I recommend podcast hosting? <laughs> Yes, but that doesn't pay that well. No, especially when you don't take the sponsors, yes. <laughs> yes. But, um, so, yeah, there's that. But, um, and I've lost my train of thought now. Oh, See, I'm in enough, so of, I'm, I'm in enough of, me- of a, a mental fog right now that it doesn't take much to derail me. <laughs> 
Um, um, but what you're saying, that like, oh, right. So I, I've considered going on disability too, but the reason, the main thing stopping me is that there's really no reason for me to at this point for because I don't need it for financial reasons. Yeah, and I mean, I think that anyone who looked like at my life cursory would be like, you don't need this. You're not starving to death, but we really do. I mean, um, we we survive on family help. Yeah, you guys are you guys are much more in need of it than my situation is much different. Yeah, but it's um it's so funny because I think that there's a real issue in the United States because I will find a soapbox and jump on it no matter how I feel. Um, but here's, you're, you're never far from a soapbox. Never far from a soapbox. What can I say? I have opinions. Many, many opinions. And mm-hmm. here's one of them. Um, we have a real issue in this country with calling people needing help entitlements mm. and people taking tax cuts rights. Mm. And I think that that psychology gets pretty intense when someone's considering, I could use some extra help. I might need some help getting food. I might need some help get paying rent. I might need help getting my medication. And all of a sudden, that's called an entitlement where, uh, let's just go for a second, Amazon didn't pay a cent of taxes last year. And that's called good business. So that's like a real psychology that gets into our heads on asking for help. Well, we we as Americans are really bad about asking for help in the first place. I mean, it's (laughs) it's something, it's kind of that pioneer, I can do it myself attitude thing. That, you know, that is ingrained in part of our culture that, that we don't ask for help very much. And I was, before we started the pod, before we started talking, actually, like recording today, I was telling Monica, where I grew up in small town Indiana, our little neighborhood, like, because, I mean, this was the 70s, nobody locked their houses, and it was just standard. Like, if we ran out of milk, ran out of sugar, we went just went into the neighbor's house and got what we needed and left them a note that we'd get it the next time we were in town. Because town was 10 miles away. This was just normal, you know, and if you, you know, could help each other in any way, we always did that. It was just what you did. And so, you know, it wasn't a thing to ask for help there, but it was a community help. You didn't, outside your community, you would never think to. But as the world, I mean, I don't know my neighbors that well right now. The last several places I've lived, I haven't known my neighbors that well. And we've gotten more disconnected from our neighbors. And as that's, you, it's, I would feel, we know one neighbor on one side because it's an older woman. And we've asked her to keep an eye on her place, like if we've been out of town or something. But that's the, the farthest I've ever gone with asking anything of my neighbors. And even that felt a little awkward. Because we don't as Americans do that anymore. And there is a real mythology, like even in our, our media, our, our TV shows, our films of this idea of the lone hero. Like we're all Mm. supposed to like, instead of an idea of like the group working together, it's really mythologized of like, you know, Percy Jackson. And yeah, he did have some help, but it was really Percy Jackson or Harry Potter. Yes, it should have been Hermione, but, (laughs) um, but you know, yes, we have my friends beside me, but really it comes down to like the very end where everything hinges on the lone person person, and the lone fight. And I think that kind of gets into our heads. Well, and you you even see it sometimes where, you know, even when like there's the two people that are fighting and someone else starts to help out and they go, no, 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 he's got to do this himself. He's got to do them himself, even though there's other people around oh. that could help. That's that's mythologized right in there with that. 
But there was something, when I was reading all the articles, there Is was... Is there something about, like, wanting to watch people struggle? Because, like, I've been out in my wheelchair before where I have been dumped on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Or I have been stuck where someone could easily hit me and I wasn't able to jump up on the curb. And there was... And, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I won't even say which group was protesting. But there was a group protesting. And everyone just watched. All these young men who were protesting something licked over at me on the ground and did not bother to ask if I needed help, come over and help. Eventually, a nice young lady came over and asked me if she could like help get me up there. But mm-hmm. there's just something like weird about this where not only do we not know how to ask for help, we don't even know how to offer or offer respectfully because there's just the article that came out where a woman was talking about she was in a power wheelchair like this and a guy came up and started pushing her. And didn't ask. She couldn't see him. And she's like, stop, stop, stop. And then, like, of course, social media weighs in. Well, how can someone offer help? This isn't offering help. Like, No. And there's respectful ways to ask for help and offer help. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of confusion right now with entitlement. And um, There was something that, that occurred to me. And this was just, like I said, I, was, I did a deep dive through probably 30, 40 articles um, and prep for this uh, I feel podcast. like you need, like, emotional support after reading all those articles. Yeah, like, kind of, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there was, a, there was a, a thought that kept running through my head. Uh, so there, I wrote, there were a lot of articles discussing how everyone has trouble asking for help. But what sets disabled people apart is, ha- is that we have to ask for help because we can't do things, some things for ourselves. And that we have to ask for help repeatedly. Yeah. So it's not just that we have to ask for help because we can't do things, but it's also that we have to ask for help repeatedly. And it's the, it's the repeatedly and it's the not being able to do it ourselves and the, the repeatedly. Because we all have to, everybody has to ask for help every once in a while. But when you have to ask for help today and tomorrow and three times the next day and four times the day after that and you know two times the next day, it starts to wear you down because it it sticks in your head every time you do it that I had to ask for help. I had to ask for help. I had to ask for help again. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And that sense of... And I know that the phrase that gets tied in there is, I'm a failure. So also, the, the other aspect is, it's like most of the help I need is where someone has to spend time with me. And it also becomes this, okay, well, I better be funny, entertaining, nice. I better be likable. Wait, wait. Really likable. 24-7 when I have dislocations, when I'm in agony, I better be likable all the time. Wait, you ask around. me to go over and do these podcasts and that, that you don't do that for me. Be likable? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're one of the, the spoonies, so since you're in the drawer with me, I figure I could just be real. See what an absolute bitch I am when I'm not trying to be likable? Ah, this poor man. I mean, could you just imagine having to be my friend? Horror upon horrors. Oh, oi. Um, but I, think that's I couldn't good. resist. No, I'm sorry. I was literally counting it down on my fingers going, five, four, three, two, snark. Oh, shit, I should have snapped. That was a bad idea. Um... As I recover here. You're not Thanos. You shouldn't snap. Well, I can't do the proper drag queen snap anymore, so it's it's really no point. Um, But there's just this, like, aspect of, okay, well, how many times can I ask for help? Mm -hmm. How uh, And then it's like, okay, so the things I'm asking for help are basic survival. 
what about getting to the library to get some books? Mm-hmm. What about like going to see a movie? What about going to like your husband is like the most sweet, wonderful person in the world. He's like, I will take you to the art museum. No one mm-hmm. else wants to go with you. I will take you to the art museum. Mm-hmm. And that's like the only way I get to mm-hmm. do something like that. But it's like, okay, but I don't want to bother someone. I don't want to be a drain. And then, mm-hmm. oh God, what if I feel awful? And then I feel bitchy or grumpy. And then I'm not entertaining and fun. Like it just becomes this weird, like, a fear and compoundness of it mm-hmm. all. And like even down to like, okay, it's two in the morning. I've got to go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Who can watch my kid? Like just all these like weird things that people don't necessarily have to consider in their daily lives. Well, to, to put things in perspective, I, I know you hate calling me for things. <laughs> so I'm I, really I, bad at asking for help. I absolutely bite at it. <laughs> so before I came over here, the reason I didn't get as much time to prep for this as I planned on one of my friends has kidney stones. The guy that's living in our loft has kidney stones. And I have key to the loft. So I went to the loft to get his cell phone charger and his daily pill case and run it to the hospital for him. Oh, God. So don't feel for, don't worry. Call me. <laughs> I hear you. Um, see, I, I actually am not one of the people who really suddenly got sick. I've been sick my whole life. Mm-hmm. So the asking for help thing was instilled so young that... Um, and this is not my dad's fault. I want to be really clear. My dad's an awesome man, but he was very sick and was in horrible car accidents. And his whole thing was, you suck it up. (laughs) You don't show pain. Pain is weakness. (laughs) And you handle it. And then um, I have an incredible side of the family with my mom where being able to have surgery without taking even an aspirin afterwards is mythologized in the family. So it's like this very um, weird thing of like, okay, well, I might need some help. I might need some painkillers. Oh, so Auntie V had a hip surgery and was up walking a few days later with no aspirin. She took one aspirin. Oh, okay. It gets um, very crunchy when you're, you know, when everyone around you is telling you how great it is and how strong it is to not ask for help, to not show that weakness. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what uh, Jen Toll said when her interview, which is like, when you're in a herd of gazelles, you don't want to be the weak, the weak sick one. You're like, nope, right. I'm fine. I'm fine. Look at me jumping. All good, lion. Well, and that's that's something I kept running across, too, is people kept talking about, you know, faking it. Fake, you know, uh, <sighs> pretending to be okay, even when they weren't, because they didn't want to be seen as the downer, the this, that, or the other, and... You know, and then feeling guilty about it later. It's like, why can't I be my authentic self? Or even what is my authentic self anywhere? I don't even know what that is. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when we're talking about faking it, I mean, it's really the reverse for all of us. We're not faking being sick. We're faking being well. well that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Faking being well to, to, you know, putting that smile on even though we're in agony. Well, I mean, if I, like, was actually honest with people about, like, what my pain levels are or if I was my authentic self I'm like okay so I'm gonna act the way I'm feeling right now it would be just like this long loop of a scream like no one wants to hear about all these dislocations or what these feel like I mean that's not that's not going to be fun to hang out with and and watch me whimper at Mm -hmm. least for most of the people and if they do have fun with that I probably don't need to get to know them that sounds like Mm -hmm. a whole another another thing to deal with there but um, it's, uh, it's hard to tell what's your personality anymore when, well, first off for me, I'm never alone. I'm always with someone, which is its own issue. And then when I'm with people, I feel like I have to be a certain kind of person. 
and you are never allowed to get annoyed at me for losing focus and reading a book when you're going through the web. I'm not going through the web. I'm looking through the articles that I had trying to see if there was anything else I wanted uh-huh. to bring up. Okay. These are all these tabs are articles that I had book I had opened to talk about. You've done a very good job. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> so I will keep talking to them while you're I love looking. this. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Your to-do lists are longer than a CVS receipt. <laughs> oh my god you can't remember the last time you got a full night's sleep and you haven't had a relaxed meal in months <laughs> I'm just going off of the CVS receipt I know like, right I don't know can I like fold it a few times to origami <laughs> with it like um, but you know when you're talking about like how invisible it is and I'll just go like because you're searching for something I'm totally not trying to take over but it was something that was on my mind when I asked about this doing this panel which is how do you decide when you're ready for mobility aids and when it's not an event that happened, when it's not a specific surgery, when all of a sudden it's like, how do I define that I'm walking today, but I'm going to cry with every step. When do I make that choice to move over? And there's guilt and shame, just like you had talked about with both of those, because I felt a tremendous level of shame using a cane. Like that first day of walking out with a cane, that was like, I have not felt that conspicuous since my first day as a freshman in high school. Like, mm-hmm. it was just wild how, like, I felt this tremendous level of judgment and watching. And then oh, yeah. wheelchair was a whole nother, like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I'm the one who had to make that call because there's so many dissenting opinions on Eller Stanlos and wheelchairs. And, like, I'm going to talk about a friend of mine, and I'm not going to name her because this is her story. But I, I do want to kind of put it out there because she was told to keep walking even with her other stainless and um her doctors feel like she's overweight and they want her to keep exercising and moving and she can't she's in so much pain to take steps that it's really hard for her so she's not getting the exercise they want her to be getting and she's not getting out in the world because they don't want her in a wheelchair and i it's just it's a hard thing so right now i'm trying a new kind of philosophy with it all where I've stepped up I my family was incredible and bought me this um they call it the Tesla of wheelchairs um but it's the only um motorized wheelchair where I don't um tip over and it has like an ability for me to move forward and back with dislocated wrists so it's fantastic but what this is letting me do is I don't stand anymore I don't walk anymore except for my direct physical therapy so I'm really hoping to see if like I stopped injuring myself with forcing myself forward. Maybe I can make some bigger gains in my physical therapy. Nope. I know you too well. <sighs> well, um, no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> Stop that story right now. It was an emergency. It was, there was a missing chicken. I've seen you dislocate just drawing. So I... <laughs> I've only been out of this chair to go to the bathroom and because my daughter came running in going, we're missing a chicken. I had to make sure the chicken was not like ready for KFC. Don't give me that smirk. I mean, at least like... I'm not smirking at you. (laughs) So that was it. The rest of the day I've been in this wheelchair. I've been very good. I even walked Kirk in the wheelchair. Or we need a new word for walking dogs in wheelchairs. There needs to be a, like rolling the dog. That sounds wrong. <laughs> the like, dog out for a roll. <laughs> the dog out for a roll. <laughs> yes. Well, the dog was walking. You weren't. No, no, the dog was walking. Um, dog is very uh, 
mildly concerned about this new walking arrangement with a chair. Um, speaking of guilt and shame, I do need to have a discussion with neighbors who decide that the sidewalk is an appropriate place to park and that yeah. it's okay for them in their driveways to leave their cars into the sidewalk, which means for anyone in a wheelchair, yes. I will have to go back an entire block to find the one area where I can safely get to the street and then go around their car. Um, so there's going to be a little guilt and shame as I uh, passively, aggressively knock on doors and go, please, <laughs> please, 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 for my health and yours. <laughs> Well, my health, not theirs, but... Oh, health of their vehicle. You are a much more threatening looking person than I am. Oh, look, it's a Disney character at my door, and it's in a wheelchair. How darling! No, I don't... I have zero, zero gravitas to me. I would just put... Just get, like, little Disney... Little, like, obnoxious (laughs) stickers. And when they were parked in in the thing, I would just put obnoxious stickers all over the back of their car. You would as far I, as you I could would reach. Never do that. <laughs> hey, it's it's in the dry. It's in the walkway. So some kid must have done it. That's all. Uh, we do, we do have a lot of uh, scamp like children in the neighborhood. It's 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 it's, it's in the, the the sidewalk. So some kid on the sidewalk must have done it. I was thinking of going more for a um, oh god, what was that show? Tony Soprano, The Sopranos. Um, when he or, was like mad, not that I would hurt anyone, but when he was mad about something, he went outside of the house and just had his people stand outside with boom boxes mm-hmm. and just play really. I mean, Justin Bieber. Yeah, what you do is get little wheelchair stickers. So when they're parked in the the thing, just put wheelchair stickers there. Oh. See how many you can collect the whole set. <laughs> yes, I mean, like, so here's how paranoid I am. I'm like, I don't want because we have a lot of um, crime in our neighborhood. Yes. And so I was talking to my husband about, like, I really want people in the neighborhood to know I'm in a wheelchair because in front of our house, um, people always park in front of our house, which is totally reasonable. It's a, it's a free area. Yeah, yeah. But it does mean that someone who's in a wheelchair can't park in front of their house. Right. And it becomes this big safety issue for me to get to the house. I'm like, well, what if we, like, put a little sign? And he's like, that kind of, like, you know, makes you a very big target for, like, yes. oh, I don't like any of this. There are no good options right no. now. No. Well, unless you put the, the disabled thing out there along with the house protected by guard dog. <laughs> a guard wolf. Guard you know, Kirk is a really uh, good deterrent. It's yes. like a hundred pounds of fluffy deterrent. <laughs> and he barks really loud. He does. He sounds terrifying. I would not want to mess with that dog. Well, I wouldn't want to mess with that dog if somebody tried to hurt you, that's for sure. Yeah, he gets uh, so he gets very protective. It, it, he has this weird thing of knowing when I'm in pain or in a very bad state. Not that I'm not in pain all the time, but when things are really bad, he sits himself in front of me and Stu's not allowed near me. My daughter's not allowed near me. Like, no one is allowed near me. He will just plop himself there. And that makes me concerned when we go out in public with him because he gets... Um, we don't have neighbors who take meticulous care of their animals mm-hmm. and I'm trying to say this as nice as I can. So that the dogs run free. Yes. Yeah, I know. I saw one it pulled up because it ran out in front of me. Yes. And, um, oh I my, almost hit it. Oh my God. I, like it's driving me insane because they're actually really nice dogs, but they're, they have no call. Like they have no control over the dog. Mm-hmm. Like they call it the dogs like, hi, that was funny. 
<laughs> and I guess this kind of ties back in with our uh, service dog issues because Kirk is not my service dog. But no. he, <laughs> dear God, help me if he was. I'd be in so much trouble. But he, um, when I'm out with him, it gets so dangerous when like a dog comes running up to him and I'm holding Kirk's leash and he's really protective and he'll jump in front of me to keep the dog from jumping on me. And now we're in a a legal gray area of issues where Kirk gets really protective and mm-hmm. <laughs> worried about me. But it, um, yeah. So I guess that's one of the other things we're talking about as a family is service dog. Because I'm getting to a point where getting my medication is iffy and getting doors open is questionable. And like, it's just this question of like, well, there's only so many spots. There's only so many dogs um, at this, at the place I would want to go to. Are you turning into me? Did you just pop your ankle? That was my knee. Yeah, you know, copycat. <laughs> I love this. This is so fun just to disappoint someone so well. Um, so I was just feeling like, I don't know, like when is the time I actually put our name in? It's three-year wait list. They have a very minimal amount of dogs. And I know I qualify, but I feel like maybe I'm taking that space away from someone who might need it a lot more. See, and this is that guilt again, and you're right. But I, if it's a three-year wait list, I think you should get on the wait list personally because you, I know where you're at with mm. your problems, and I think three years you need to seriously think you, at that point you are going to need help. Uh, yeah. Um, because considering how old O is, you're going to need help. My at that little flippy girl. Yeah, see, that's um, that's been a big discussion with her because she is so responsible. And she feels so responsible for me. And she's a preteen. And we're having these discussions with her of like, when you're thinking about your future, you are not my caregiver. Yes. You have a big, exciting, wonderful life ahead of you. I want it to be everything you want it to be. I am not your responsibility. I want to get really wonderful letters from all over the world. Like, whatever you want to do, we're supportive. We just don't want you to feel like this is your responsibility. (laughs) This should not limit you. Um, but the problem is we have the uh, dire wolf who I can't imagine introducing any dog in here. Like, he's jealous of Stu. Yeah. <laughs> it would be hard. But I just wanted to put that out there because I know a lot of people are like, but there's so many limited resources. How do I, how do I justify taking that spot? And how do I know I'm bad enough for that spot? Like, that's always the big question. Like, Well... Knowing your situation like I do, um, and how often and how bad your dislocations are, and how if you were here by yourself, uh, yeah, you couldn't get to the door to let somebody in if you fell. No, no, and that's happened. I know. Yeah. And so having a dog that was trained to be able to open the door and let someone in, yeah, if you needed help, would definitely be. Uh, seriously, it, at this point, it wouldn't have been a question except that we have the wolf. I know. The very jealous, <laughs> lovely wolf. Who would have to be socialized and, and learn to deal with it. I, yeah, he's a... Oh, he's a sweetie pie. But yes, I just wanted to bring that out there because it's such... It's such a question, especially when we're talking about service dogs, where um, there's been a lot of decisions mm-hmm. from people on what qualifies as a service dog mm-hmm. and whether that is needed around. Um, and I don't want to make judgment calls on that because um, as much as I, I talk about mental health and like the depression I have, my depression is not to a level that I would need a, an emotional support animal. Yeah, but, that's different though than a 
It is very different than a service dog. That would be like for being out in the world that is so completely trained. It was really cool though. I'd have to spend three weeks at the dormitory because for three weeks they, the dog is socialized to you. They train Mm -hmm. for very specific tasks. So you're thinking about how I'm going to deal with the dormitory for three weeks, aren't you? No. What what was the eyebrow raise with that smirk? Because you sounded so excited about the dormitory. It's like, oh, dear God. <laughs> okay, well, I never got a dormitory experience. Uh-huh. I worked three jobs through college, so I never got to live in a dormitory. So I'm, I'm having, I'm just, like... <laughs> so when you said that, all I could think of was the, the, the traditional... It was... I, my college years were a phase. <laughs> oh, oh. You know, anyone who has known me through my entire life exactly. just started laughing and clapping. Um <laughs> I would not call any of that a phase. Exactly. That's why I, That's why the eye roll was like, oh, God. But I think it'd be really fun. I get to meet new people. There's dogs. I love dogs. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a really good experience. <laughs> and I'd get so much writing done if I wasn't home. Mm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that book might actually get finished. Did you see there's... Oh, God, I forgot what book it was. Really famous book. The guy's hilarious. And in, like, the um, dedication part, he said, for my wife and children... Without which this book would have been finished three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've seen dedications like that before. Oh, uh, that is uh, that is like half true here. Like my daughter gives me so many um, amazing uh, ideas for my books that mm-hmm. I do. It's it's pretty fantastic. But when she was little, like one of the things we were also figuring out was I worked from home. I'm sick. When do we need to pay the incredible three to seven thousand dollars of daycare a month? Yeah, been there, lived that. Yeah, and well, you had um, Francis when Francis was small, mm-hmm. and like, okay, for those of you who have countries with subsidized childcare, please feel free to laugh maniacally and be very grateful for where you live. We don't have subsidized childcare, and I think my daughter's childcare for three days a week for half days was about three thousand dollars a month. Oh, this was. 96, 97, somewhere in that range. So almost 20 years ago. And oh, no, it was, no, it's not 20. It was 10 years ago, right? 10. 20, 20 No, years no. Ago. Francis is 23, so 20 years ago. Oh, God help us. <laughs> um, And it was... Hey, I am dressed like it's 1995 right now, so... It was like 800 a month. Yeah, it was... But I made a lot less money than too. <laughs> Let me tell you. And, yeah, like... I was really sick when we put my daughter in childcare, but I was also trying to still run a business and work. And it was just such a question mark of like, well, shouldn't I be able to, I mean, I'm home. Shouldn't I be able to take care of a toddler (laughs) and handle what we thought was just fibromyalgia and do the grocery shopping? And I should be able to do all that, right? The mythology of the stay-at-home parent. Mm -hmm. And I never will say stay-at-home mom because anyone who stays at home... (laughs) The amount of work is um, invisible a lot of the time. And it's amazing when you're like home and you're like, oh, I could just get this one thing done, right? And then you go, you've talked about this a million mm-hmm. times. You're like, I'm just going to do this one thing. I'm not feeling well today. I'm going to go do this one thing. And then... it's it's There's actually a really good cartoon about this. Uh, that that And it's, it's actually about, you know, why didn't you ask for help is what it's all about. But it's, it's this... Um, this woman visits her friend and the the lady who lives there is feeding the child and cooking dinner and the pot overflows and the husband's like, well, why didn't you ask for help? And she's like, she kind of loses it. And she's like, why didn't I, why didn't I ask for help? And she's like, you know, when I was a project manager, you know, I, she goes through this whole thing about being, when you're a project manager, 
you don't have time to do the job anymore because you're too busy managing the project. But when you're taking care of the house, you're the project manager and you're doing all the work because you're remembering all the things that need to be done and you're doing them. And what when someone says, why didn't you ask for help? What they're asking you to do is be that project manager. They're saying, well, you tell me what needs to be done and I'll do it. But like, so good example. The other night, I picked up a towel to go throw in the um, laundry and on the way, I noticed something else was out of place. So I went, put it away and it took me like 20 minutes to get the towel actually in the, the laundry because I kept noticing other things that needed to be done. So I carried that towel all over the house. But if I had asked someone else to put the towel in the laundry, they would have put the towel in the laundry. And everything else that I did wouldn't have gotten done. Because <laughs> they would have done the one thing I told them to do, but not all the other things that I noticed need to be done and I did in the process. So I get this really cool pill for my doctor and I don't take it often. I take it once in a great while. Uh, when I start having problems with, uh, my focus is like a gnat with ADHD and a cocaine habit. Like that's, <laughs> it is so ridiculous. And <laughs> I love when I get him to laugh. Um, I'm sorry, that description is just priceless. <laughs> well, thank you. See, I'm funny. Um, made that, that one up eight, on the spot. And that with ADD and a cocaine habit. <laughs> um, but I get really bad when I don't take this medication for more than like six or seven days. And whenever I take it, it's really cool because the focus is instant and amazing. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, this is how people adult. This is how someone actually decides what they're going to do for the whole day. And they can actually make a phone call and handle bureaucracy. They can wait on they can wait on hold on a phone call. Remember what they're going to say when the person gets to them. This is a shocking revelation. <laughs> so like taking that and then trying like I can figure out what needs to get done around the house, but I have to physically be doing it, walking around and moving around and getting it done to actually pull apart all the steps would be like this insane level of focus, which is so beyond me. Why are you looking at me like I've lost my mind? <laughs> no, it's not that you've lost my mind. It's just that what you just described is what I do all the time. Yeah, I mean, like to discuss like, okay, so if I say like... I make lists upon lists upon lists of the things that I need to do. Or I, like I said... list maker here, like insanely or, good. Or like what I said where I'll walk around the house and it's like, oh, this, 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 this. And I just keep going, finding this thing needs to be done, this thing needs to be done. And just until, you know... Two hours later, I did the one thing I was trying to do. Do we get a quick moment for, and if it's not done by us, it's not done correctly? Yeah, that. Like, I'm not going to say who, but there's a basic way of doing a dishwasher. If you've ever put a puzzle together or played Jenga or Tetris, there's a basic way that you can actually put dishes. You, and I know this is shocking, but you can get a whole bunch of dishes in if you sort of like have an artistic plan. And then there's the chaos theory that seems to happen where there's like eight dishes and it's suddenly full. You do know my husband listens to this podcast and I already just by... Hi, husbands. Just, I just love you guys. Describing the fact that, you know, the whole walking around the house doing all that stuff and that if I tell one of them to do something and they only do the one thing I say, I'm already going to be in trouble for that. So you're saying about doing things the no, right no, way. This is my house. Okay. I was just talking specifically for uh, me, my house, uh, and I am the pickiest eater in the world. I am horrible and there's very certain ways I like things and there is so much effort on my wonderful husband's part to make sure it's done the way I like to eat it and 
if I don't actually get my tail in my wheelchair and get to the kitchen, it's... He has very interesting ideas of portion control. <laughs> um, so it's... Uh, yeah. Or should we stop this before we both like either fall asleep no, end no, up no. in we, some we, sort of like... We should kind of... Go back to the whole guilt thing that we were at. That are you topic. guilting me about getting off topic? I think, I think you are totally guilting me I about getting be. off topic. But you did too, so. I know. No, 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 no. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> All right, um, so back to guilt. Back to guilt. Um, so, excuse me. Um, the, the thing that's really stuck with me with all the articles that I read is... Just how much it's an overriding thing that so many people, especially people with invisible disabilities, have this feeling like I should be doing more, I should be doing this, I should be doing this, and that, and it's it doesn't seem to come from outside as much as it does from inside, and part of it I think comes from. This thing we've talked about before of missing your old life. You know, I used to be able to do this and I can't now. And it, and there's this guilt that I used to be able to do this. I can't now. And still trying to hold on to that old life tooth and nail. And so oh. there, a lot of the guilt comes from I can't do it anymore. I mean, also like just the scratches behind the ears like feeling sparkly like feeling useful and amazing and impressive like all those things just sort of go away and like running this podcast gives me a lot of the scratches behind the ears I need but it also gives me a ridiculous level of guilt like just to like break down and be super honest on this episode (laughs) like I have had two people in the last two months I've disappointed horribly because of the podcast and uh, one person, I missed their appointment twice to record. I had started new meds, and um, I I screwed up. I apologized each time, and at the end of it, I just I couldn't possibly ask this person to to come back because I still wasn't convinced that I could remember our appointment time. And then the last person, um, I'm not sure what exactly went wrong, but they were very sure I disappointed them, and uh, that's hard. I I hate disappointing people. But I have to be really honest if I'm going to run this podcast at all. Like, a lot of times I do, um, this is a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. And um, while Kyrus was gone, it was all, for like six months, I was one woman show here. and um, it was... I actually looked, and it was, I came back and did our um, group ones every couple of months, but I wasn't here consistently. Yeah, no. well, no, so like the day-to-day stuff is like, yeah. what I do is like all the social media, all the links. Um, and you did ask me to help, everything. step in and help, and I... Flat out said, I did not have the bandwidth to help. Which is totally understandable. But, like, I actually wrote an email to this one person who really kind of um, took me to task for um, for saying I wasn't really sure I'd done completely wrong. But since they felt very certain about it, um, that's fine. But th- there's been times I've been ready to have to walk away from this just because I realize that I'm so vulnerable to disappointing people. Like, the, the reason I'm on disability is because I literally cannot guarantee I can be anywhere for any definite amount of time, which basically makes me completely unemployable. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long I'll be able to do anything or if I'll suddenly have to go to bed and sleep for a long time or if I will be unconscious from POTS. So it pretty much guarantees me that I'm going to be disappointing people doing this podcast. But 
I've really just kind of come to a place of, I think this is an important podcast. Mm-hmm. Some of you have been so kind and written these yeah. incredible emails and comments about how much this has helped you at two in the morning. And honestly, that's why this podcast is still on. There's been plenty of times where you're like, I can't do this. There's no way. I, I'm disappointing people. It's the worst feeling in the world. I don't have the energy. And then someone sends me this gorgeous email about how this helps. And I'm like, I will totally do this. <laughs> Absolutely. So please don't ever underestimate that. But um, I've come to a place where this this seems to need to exist um, in the way that we do it. Um, there's some really great other ones out there. Um, if we annoy the hell out of you, feel free to email me. I will give you some suggestions. Um, <laughs> but our uh, we've been called very real, snarky, funny, helpful. And so I kind of feel like this is something that we're doing. And I have to be, I am sorry, but I have to be okay with disappointing some of you. And um, I hope you guys are really gentle with me. <laughs> Like I say, I have three feelings left. Thank you, Carrie Fisher. And I, uh, two yes. of them have gotten very wounded. So please be gentle and understand, like, we aren't kidding when we say we're sick. It's, yeah. uh, and we've both gotten significantly worse over the last few months. Well, and, and that's the thing is, you know, typically with chronic illness, you don't get better. You get worse. And, <laughs> and since, since we started this, of happy. <laughs> since we started this, you and I have both gone downhill some. And it's made doing the podcast harder. Mm-hmm. And it's... And thank you, Eva, for coming in and starting to help this month. Uh, yes. I love you, Eva, from Wallachovia. You are yes. wonderful. But that's the thing, though, is that it has gotten harder for both of us to do this. Yeah, so and be gentle and nice and patient with us. <laughs> I think that kind of wraps us up. Right I think there, we so. have to wrap up before we both start whimpering and crying <laughs> on air, which I am not a big fan of doing. But... Something you said kind of struck me as funny because when you were describing, you said, you know, be kind to us, be gentle to us. But that is our tagline, is be uh, kind. You, you know, know, I would love to say I was clever enough, to, but I have not taken those focusing pills in about two weeks, if you can't tell. <laughs> so, if you want to send us out with. I'll send us out with be kind. Be gentle. Be a fucking badass. Be a fucking badass. And be nice to us. 